Welcome to Cybercast, decoding today's cybersecurity issues. I'm your host, Kate Mackery. Today, we are going to hear from Suzanne Spaulding, a member of the Cyberspace Solarium Commission, Senior Advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and former Undersecretary at DHS. Suzanne has had a long and illustrious career in cyber and national security. She's worked for the CIA and led the National Protection and Programs Directorate, which is now called CISA, at DHS. She also led the National Commission on Terrorism and the Commission to Assess the Organization of the Federal Government to Combat the Proliferation of Weapons of Mass Destruction. With that kind of resume, Suzanne is the perfect person to talk to about the biggest cyber threats facing the .gov landscape. Today, we are going to talk about why we need a national cyber director and how the federal government can come together to address cybersecurity issues. Suzanne is also going to tell us which agency is perfect for prioritizing cybersecurity efforts and where she thinks we need to start addressing cyber vulnerabilities immediately. Welcome to Cybercast, Suzanne. Thank you, Kate. Great to be here. So to start us off, I would love to hear about how you got into the cybersecurity space and what about it intrigued you and how you got to where you are today at the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. I have been working national security issues for a very long time. I hesitate to say how long as everyone will realize just how old I really am. But I had been working terrorism issues and WMD, weapons of mass destruction issues, at CIA and on Capitol Hill since the mid-80s. And in the mid-90s, there was a, an important review, the President's Critical Infrastructure Protection Panel, headed by former Secretary of the Army Jack Marsh, that came out with a report highlighting the threat from cyber, malicious cyber activity. And it was clear that it was really something that the national security community had to take seriously and step up its understanding of and strategy for countering. And the potential for disruption and threats to American safety from cyber were similar to those we were looking at from terrorism and WMD. So that immediately was of interest to me as something that was really important, that was not well understood, and that needed to be addressed. So I have been kind of in and out of those issues around the protection of critical infrastructure, the things we rely upon every day in our lives, and particularly from cyber threats, really since the mid-90s. What was it about cyber issues that captured your attention and has led you to focus on cyber issues through most of your career to this point? Well, I continued to focus on terrorism issues and on proliferation issues, but certainly added cyber to the list of national security concerns that we had to be really focused on. And I think part of what was so interesting about cyber is the fact that it was so new and not well understood that we were seeing the development of capabilities that we still had an opportunity potentially to address. And again, the fact that it was something that was going to have a very direct impact on all Americans because of our 
dependence on cyberspace and on the networked world, right? We were in the mid 90s, really just beginning to discover the incredible benefits that we could derive from a networked world. And it was clear that if we didn't understand the vulnerabilities that came with that, we were not going to be able to fully appreciate and enjoy and take advantage of those benefits. So that was something that I thought was really important and and important to understand and to work on. Yeah. So like a mission drive and a mystery of the unknown of like this unexplored area. Yep. One of the big recommendations from the March Cyberspace Solarium Commission report is the call for a national cyber director to coordinate cyber efforts and cyber information sharing across agencies. Can you delve into the backstory of how the commission came to the conviction that a national cyber director is necessary? Absolutely. Yes. So the um, commission started by first thinking about what our strategy should be, what should be an overall strategic approach to addressing the threats from cyberspace. And in the context of doing that, I think pretty quickly realized that Again, cyber is so interwoven into everything that we do, both in our daily lives and as a government, that cyber was woven into the mission space of every department and agency across government. And particularly countering cyber risks was a key mission of a number of important departments and agencies. And so this idea that had floated around of uh, you know pulling cyber out of all the different departments and agencies and putting it into one cyber department was actually pretty quickly dismissed as not being workable and not being an effective way to address a risk that permeates the mission spaces all across government. And so it was clear that what we really needed, if we were going to have a dispersed effort to address the challenge of cybersecurity, you need to have a strong coordination of those efforts. And that has to be done at the White House. You know, I ran the organization at DHS that became CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. And we had the function, the role, the mission of coordinating across the civilian government on cybersecurity efforts. And a lot of great work was done and some common tools were deployed and really good progress on common situational awareness and guidance and best practices. But at the end of the day, CISA, even with that mission, is hard-pressed to direct other departments and agencies on what to do. And Congress ultimately gave CISA binding operational directive authority, but it really needed the backing of OMB, of the Office of Management and Budget, which controls departments and agencies' budgets, to be able to be the enforcer. And it needed a strong voice in the White House. In our case, it was Michael Daniel, who was the cyber coordinator at the White House. In order to bring departments and agencies to the table and get them to really pay attention to things that maybe they didn't want to do. So we quickly realized that we need this strong coordination and that it needs to be in the White House. CISA can continue and should continue to do its coordination role across departments and agencies with the backing of this key White House official. The other really important function for this National Cybersecurity Director is to make sure that we are coordinating across our defensive activities, which is where CISA plays such a key role, along with other departments and agencies, 
and our offensive cyber activity, which CISA can help inform in terms of understanding the potential consequences, the potential for retaliation against the private sector, for example. And that needs to be brought to the table when discussions are being held about possible offensive cyber activity. When you were at what is now CISA, what was your experience like as the secretary for cyber efforts? And did you find that it was difficult to coordinate with other national security slash cybersecurity focused agencies like the NSA or FBI or DOD in a way that was effective? Occasionally. I will say that the collaboration between those key elements of our government working on cybersecurity has gotten better and better over the years. And I certainly experienced that. Some you know, really good working relationships with FBI, with NSA and Cybercom, those were really important. And a lot of work had been done on defining those lanes in the road. But that work continues as we mature in our understanding of the threat and the things we need to do to respond to it, we need to continue to work on defining the roles and responsibilities across government for these activities. You know, I spent actually most of my career in the intelligence community, either at CIA or on the Hill doing oversight of intelligence or writing about and and looking into intelligence-related issues. And I understand the imperative that they feel to protect sources and methods to guard information. And nothing is more sensitive in the intelligence community than its operational activity. And within that, cyber, offensive cyber activity is one of the most sensitive areas and one they really do not like to discuss. And so that coordination that needs to happen between the offensive and defensive activities continues to be a challenge and a work in progress. And again, an important role for the National Cybersecurity Director. You mentioned you initially rebelled against the commission's recommendation to Congress for increased funding for cybersecurity efforts. Can you explain why you changed your mind and how you see the commission convincing Congress to appropriate the funds needed? Yes. You know, I have been involved with a number of commissions over the years. Commission, I was executive director for a national commission on terrorism, executive director for a commission on stopping the spread of weapons of mass destruction, and involved with the um, commission on catastrophic terrorist attacks, including post 9-11. And always those commissions would reach for recommendations to increase resources on whatever issue they're looking into. And so my initial sense always coming into these conversations is that's too easy and we really need to, you know, make recommendations with respect to what activities we ought to be doing. But I was comfortable that the commission had actually done that. The Cyberspace Salarium Commission started with that. And once having defined a strategy and very specific recommendations about how to implement that strategy, it's very clear that we were not adequately resourcing those cybersecurity activities. And I knew, you know, I was very familiar with this, having, again, been at DHS and very aware of how small their cybersecurity resources were compared, for example, to the amount of funds and resources that DOD has to put towards cybersecurity. So I think in this instance, 
a significant increase in resources is needed and is appropriate. And I think cybersecurity is one of those rare issues where there's actually bipartisan support on the Hill. I've been very pleased as we've been testifying in front of congressional committees about the Solarium Report to see the bipartisan support for our recommendations. And I think there is bipartisan support for increasing resources for an organization like CISA. Why is it, do you think, that cyber activities, especially in the federal government, like at DHS, are not adequately resourced? So part of it is just that it's new. So the mission at DHS for cybersecurity grew out of its overarching mission to protect the nation's critical infrastructure. And I think it's just been a learning process for Congress to understand how cyber fits into that overarching mission for protecting the homeland and a maturing on the part of, again, the organization that has become CISA in terms of understanding what its role is and its role vis-a-vis the private sector. What is it that's appropriate for the government to do and what is it that the private sector should be expected to do? All of those understandings have been maturing over time. And as it does, and as the capabilities at DHS have grown, Congress has gained greater and greater confidence in the ability of that organization to do that mission and a greater understanding of how it does that mission. And that is really an an important aspect of getting Congress to feel comfortable in providing resources for that activity. Gotcha. That makes sense. In the commission's latest report on securing the ICT supply chain, DHS is tapped as a key leader in these efforts. Can you discuss why DHS needs to be a leader in this space and how DHS may be more effective than DOD and the intelligence community? Well, one of the things that we were always very mindful of at DHS is the importance of our relationships with the private sector and with state and local governments and territorial and tribal governments, and that that was really based on trust and that we had a unique ability to have these conversations with our the folks who really own and operate most of our nation's critical infrastructure because we were not intelligence community, we were not law enforcement, we were not military, you know, defense department. We were only there for one reason and that was to help the owners and operators of critical infrastructure to strengthen their security and resilience. And that's really a huge part of understanding and securing the supply chain. It starts with really, as I say, understanding the complexities and the interdependencies that make up our supply chains for our critical infrastructure. And that is something that you can only really understand and map if you're working closely with those owners and operators and with the private sector writ large. So it makes perfect sense that DHS would be the core of that work, understanding that supply chain and where the key nodes and vulnerabilities are, particularly those that could cause disruption through cyber, and then to work with those private sector entities and sectors on ways to mitigate that risk. How do we reduce the risk to supply chain? So that's the important work that CISA is undertaking with its supply chain task force. And that's the kind of 
work that the Solarium Commission believes needs to be strongly supported. We need to have the analytic effort first to understand those global supply chains and where the key vulnerabilities are. As we begin to think about, okay, then what do we need to bring onshore? What do we need to move, you know, make sure that we don't have foreign dependencies on? Where do we need to work closely with our allies to make sure that we have dependable and reliable supply chains that don't have to necessarily be owned by the United States? And where do we have to be very wary of foreign suppliers upon whom we cannot rely or depend? One of the other big asks from the report on securing the ICT supply chain is for the U.S. government to reshore various segments of the supply chain, which you just touched on. Is the commission meeting with key companies and local governments to discuss this? And if so, can you talk about how it's going? Yes. The commission and the commission staff are very active in meeting with the key relevant private sector entities and government entities to discuss this, to help both convey a clearer understanding of what it is that the commission is recommending and what it's not recommending, and also to get continued input, which we got throughout the process of developing the report and recommendations, both the core report that came out in March and the subsequent white papers that have been published, have benefited tremendously from the insights and expertise of members of the ICT in information communications technology industry, but also other owners and operators of critical infrastructure. You know, Tom Fanning, who is the CEO of Southern Company, which is the largest electricity company in the country, was one of our commissioners, was a fellow commissioner and someone I had worked with extensively when I was at DHS as the undersecretary. He chairs the Electricity Subsector Coordinating Council, and he and I, along with the Deputy Secretary of Energy, would meet several times a year with 30 or 40 CEOs from the electricity industry. And that kind of insight uh, from companies is exactly what is needed to get these strategies right. So other than energy companies, what are some of the other critical industries with especially vulnerable IT supply chains that the commission is focused on right now? So the commission met with what is called the tri-sector group, which is something that the private sector organized on its own, frankly, primarily. And that is the electricity sector, the financial services sector, and the transportation sector. And these are three sectors that are really fundamental and deeply interconnected fundamental to our economy and to public health and safety. They are also sectors in the communication sector that are pretty sophisticated with respect to their cybersecurity efforts, but they are also prime targets for our adversaries. And so the challenges continue in the collaboration, operationalizing that collaboration between those private sector entities and state and local governments that control some of that infrastructure and the federal government is absolutely essential if we're going to reduce the risk to the American public. Other important elements of critical infrastructure, emergency response activities uh, are critically important. Water is a very important sector upon which we're very dependent and which is becoming increasingly dependent on communications technology and the benefits of a networked world. 
our industrial control systems, safety systems in manufacturing. So this is why CISA is engaged in an effort to map out the most critical national functions. What are the functions that really are essential for the continuity of our economy, a concept that the Solarium discussed extensively in our report, to sustain the health of our economy, which is a key national security issue? What are the elements, the key national functions that are important for the health and safety of Americans? So part of what CISA is focusing on right now is COVID. We're all reading about the use of malicious cyber activity to potentially steal sensitive information about the development of COVID vaccines. But we are also looking at the manufacture and distribution of vaccines once they are developed. And again, this is an area of expertise for CISA, mapping the infrastructure that will be needed to both produce and distribute that vaccine and helping to do the analysis that will underpin decisions about how to prioritize those efforts. Could you dive into that a little bit more about how COVID has changed the Cyberspace Solarium Commission's priorities this year, or if the impact of COVID has already been shaping the Commission's priorities since March? It's interesting. The commission's report was released in a big event in a crowded room at the Hart Building in early March. And I think that was the last big public event that I attended. It was, you know, really the very next week was when all of the shutdowns really, really began and people stopped going into their offices. And as we, as a commission, talked about what we saw with the pandemic It really reinforced, in many ways, the recommendations that we had made, even though we were not anticipating, obviously, the impact of this pandemic. Most obvious, of course, was the massive move to teleworking and the increased vulnerabilities and attack surface that that created made our recommendations all the more important. But also looking at how the pandemic response brought in so many departments and agencies and required a coordination, clear coordination from the White House for that response. And that, again, reinforced what we were saying with respect to the National Cybersecurity Director. There were some of our recommendations that we thought really needed to be emphasized in light of the pandemic and some that we thought we could tweak to take into account some of the vulnerabilities that became so clear in the pandemic. And so there is a pandemic annex that we put out to the Solarium report that really addresses those issues. So switching gears a little bit, we have a new presidential administration that's in the middle of transitioning right now. And I'm curious about how the commission's recommendations this year may be changed or affected by a Biden transition and whether the commission has been meeting with the Biden transition team to discuss cyber recommendations going into 2021. I think we'll see the Biden administration looking very carefully at the need for cyber coordination in the White House. You know, of course, in the Obama administration, there was a cyber coordinator in the White House. As I said, that was Michael Daniel for the time that I was there. But the Trump administration eliminated that cyber coordinator position, senior position in the White House. 
And I think there's a bipartisan support for reinstating some clear cybersecurity coordination function within the White House. Whether they will adopt wholesale the commission's recommendation for a national cyber director with a staff located in the White House, confirmed by the Senate, nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, remains to be seen. The commission is working with Congress on implementing, through legislation, a number of our recommendations, and we've been remarkably successful in getting recommendations, uh, again, bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is being finalized in Congress as we speak, and which we hope will be enacted and signed by the president, though there's a possibility of a veto threat hanging out there. And one of the things that's still being worked in Congress, frankly, is the details on the National Cybersecurity Director. But again, I think there's strong bipartisan support for a robust cybersecurity coordination function in the White House. So I think that is, again, something that the Biden administration can be expected to look at very seriously. And then there are many other recommendations that go to restoring the cybersecurity function at the State Department at an elevated status, a bureau for cybersecurity, because the international aspects of cybersecurity are absolutely essential if we're going to make progress here. This is something, a threat that knows no borders, and we've got to have that international collaboration and operational collaboration to succeed. So I think we will see a reinvigoration of that activity at state. And frankly, at Commerce and NIST, who often represent us in international fora on the development of standards around cybersecurity, something that you know we have never, not just this administration, but in past administrations as well, we've never placed a high enough priority on a robust American voice and presence in those fora. And I think that's something that Cyber Solarium pointed out, and I think this administration will take seriously. And then we've made recommendations to strengthen CISA, and I expect this administration to continue to support the growth and the maturation of the activities at CISA and DHS's role in cybersecurity, a strengthening of the intelligence community's efforts on cybersecurity, particularly around attribution and working with law enforcement. In that regard, attribution is a really important part of holding malicious actors accountable. You've got to identify them to hold them accountable, and that's an important part of deterrence. So I think some of those really key elements are things that, you know, that I would expect to see this administration taking on. So we're just about out of time, and I have one more question for you. It's actually kind of a two-part question. What would you say are the three top cybersecurity issues facing the .gov landscape, but also just the U.S. in general? And if you had to pick one to address tomorrow, which one would it be and how would you do it? Big question. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. Listen, I, there's any number of ways to answer that, right? So you approach it from a threat perspective, you can think about the state actors. And I think there's a pretty strong consensus that among the four that we worry about most, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran, that China presents the most strategic threat to us, both in cyberspace and generally. So with respect to state actors, I would put them first, although we, we do need to continue to worry about all four of them. 
I would put the ransomware as a top threat in terms of the kinds of disruptions that we're likely to see most frequently and threats to public health and safety. I think ransomware and, and attacks on our industrial control system, those threats that can have an impact on public health and safety, I think would be probably second and third. And underlying all of those, of course, is the threat to the supply chain. And I guess the one, if I pick one thing that I think might be the most important to address, highest priority, one of the things I would focus on particularly, it would be the threats that impact public health and safety. And in that regard, you know, I think it's really important the work that CISA is doing to develop those national critical functions, to understand on a risk-based analysis What are the most critical functions that we rely upon every day or periodically, like elections? What are the most important functions? And then understand all of the interdependencies, cascading consequences, the supply chains, the vulnerabilities, so that we can prioritize our efforts on reducing the risks to those functions. I think that process of prioritization is probably one of the most important things we can do in cyber because the threat landscape is vast, the vulnerabilities are almost limitless, and so we've got to focus on where are the consequences the greatest and we're going to prioritize our efforts there. That's great Suzanne, thank you. I love what you said about prioritizing where the threats are greatest and the consequences are greatest because the cyber landscape is vast and limitless. There's always so much to cover and so much to talk about in the cybersecurity space. It's kind of overwhelming, especially with you know threats coming from every angle at federal agencies, especially also during the telework era. So I think we're just about out of time now, but thank you so much, Suzanne, for coming on Cybercast today. I really enjoyed hearing from you and talking about big picture cyber issues. And I'm really excited to see what the Cyberspace Solarium Commission does next. Great, Kate. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks very much. Thanks to telework and COVID-19, cyber leaders like Suzanne have their work cut out for them. In 2021, I think we can expect to see Suzanne, CISA, and the Cyberspace Solarium Commission push for more cyber resources and a national cyber director to coordinate cyber efforts across federal agencies. To hear more about what's happening in the constantly evolving world of federal cybersecurity, subscribe to Cybercast and stay up to date on the latest cyber trends and insight. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. Cybercast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.